sisters. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. It must have been the Holy Spirit that uh, was talking today because it was great to hear from the Kandinsky's doing a great job with uh, communion out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And um, really, it's... Uh, <laughs> thanks, Juan. I appreciate that. Uh, it's really an honor to be able to speak with you today. Uh, just an amazing that God would allow me to do this. I consider it an honor when, when we get the chance to share before you. Of course, I only do it once a quarter, and that's, that's fine with me. I respect the brothers who share and prepare messages. I'm good to speak, you know, every few months. It just takes a lot. But this series has been very impactful. And, uh, you know, obviously as the Sermon on the Mount continue, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 6. 25 through 34, you know, as you prepare a message, sometimes it's like, okay, great. This is great Bible study. This is good. This is awesome. But unlike no other message in a long, long time, I see myself in this message. I see a lot of the struggles that the disciples were having uh, during that time and the people who were there listening to the Sermon on the Mount the Jewish community, the Gentiles, whoever was there, really wrestling through the things that they were dealing with in the Roman Empire. You know, really worrying about, you know, being abused and oppressed or how, how are we going to eat and how are we going to do this and how are we going to do that? And I think as many of you know, and I really appreciate you so much, you know, we've had a lot of loss in our family. Just a lot. And uh, really it's been, it's been unlike anything I've ever experienced. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of mourning. You know, I'm tempted to say, hey, you know what? Let someone else preach this message. But I said, you know what? I'm going to fight through and let the Holy Spirit lead me in this message and just really just dive in for myself and wrestle with God over, over anxiety, over the challenges of this world, over mourning, over financial crisis, and many different things that I'm going to share with you here in a little bit. But the loss has been just profound. You know, of course, it started uh, in November of last year. I lost uh, my, my grandmother-in-law. She was a wonderful lady. Uh, my aunt's mom and my aunt and my aunts took care of not only her mother, but my grandmother as well. And then a month after that, my grandmother passed away the day after our anniversary. And then, of course, you know, with that, you know, it, it was really challenging. We visited my dad and I went to see my dad during the sermon, I mean, during the, uh, 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 obviously, the going away from my, my grandmother, and I looked at him, and I said, you know, God, this may be the last time I see him. And lo and behold, on March 19th, he passed away. And then, you know, shortly after that, of course, you know, it, it was challenging. My mom had gone through a lot. She was diagnosed with cancer at 80 years old about a year ago and kind of had fought and fought. And then she got three UTIs. It put her in assisted living. And then a month after that, the day before my birthday, my mom passed away. And so, you know, with all of that, it's just been a lot of, of, of just a lot of things to wrestle through, a, a lot of challenge, a, a lot of anxiety, a lot of angst, a lot of difficulty, but God is sovereign. God is with you. God holds you up. But you know, those are cliche statements, right? Those are statements that we would say just to make us feel good. At the end of the day, we do worry and we do get anxious. But before I start, I want to go to God in a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for Jesus. And we thank you, God, that he is our father in heaven. And we thank you, God, that, you know, he loves us. He appreciates us. Uh, father, that he's with us uh, at all times, God, that he laid it down for us. He laid down his life so that we can have a relationship with you. And Father, as we share these scriptures today from the Sermon on the Mount, God, I know many of us see ourselves in these passages. 
And I pray, God, that we'll leave here with a focus more determined than ever to want to glorify you with our lives. And Father, thank you so much for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's look over in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I'm going to be looking at a New Living Translation. Uh, I'm going to be looking at that. There's some things in this passage that really hits me, uh, this translation I really love, so I'm going to go ahead and read from here. Here's how we're going to do it today. We're not going to put any slides up with scriptures, okay? You got to get into your devices, get into your Bibles, and open them and flip the pages a little bit, or just click on the device so you can read together. And it may sound a little different because I'm in a different translation. I hope that's not a spiritual sin or anything, right? Uh, We're not in the NIV, but I'm going to read this passage, and let's kind of go through it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the fields and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your deeds. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. The title of the message is How Should We Live? Half-minded or kingdom-focused? You know, when you look at Jesus, Jesus is really challenging their thinking. He's really trying to help them and inspire them and is helping them, hey guys, look, no matter what happens, and I know life is difficult, I am always with you. You know, it's really interesting, and Diane and I were talking about this, and as I was wrestling with this message, and of course you look at the world today, and you do see homelessness, and you do see people in really challenging situations, and you do see us hurting each other as humanity, and you just wonder, God, why are these things going on? Right before coming to church today, I saw a woman in like, dirty jeans and pushing a cart. And I'm like, man, I just said a prayer for her. Just God, please be with her through her challenges. Help her to feel your presence. But I want to look at some things here about half-mindedness. And I kind of looked at some things about the impact of worry. You know, it says that 30% of us as humans are dealing with some level of an anxiety disorder. That anxiety exists in about 30% of us. It also says that worry in itself shortens our lives anywhere between three to four years. They even did a study. This is really interesting. Check this out. Some Harvard guy did this study. And they studied cats and dogs. And they said that 75% of cats and dogs 
struggle with anxiety. Now, now, I don't know how that is, if they're sniffing you. I, I don't know how they do and how they figured it out. Maybe they didn't get their dog food or their cat food or their cat litter was off. I don't know. But it said 75% of animals struggle with some sort of anxiety. What's interesting here, though, Jesus says the birds don't struggle with anxiety. That they know they're going to take it, God's going to take care of them. What's interesting, we went to dinner on Friday night with a couple, had a great time with the Keens, just great hanging out with Adrian. She's kind of recovering, keep, continue to pray for her. And we were watching, I, I got distracted, my ADD kicked in, right? It was just, it was just I just kind of like, we're talking, look at that bird. You know what I mean? I'm looking, are their legs, can they walk on water? I mean, he was just standing there. And he, his neck would go out, and then he'd pull his neck back, and he'd look again, and then he'd move a few steps, and then he'd walk, and he would just sit there. It was almost like he was meditating, but he was so calm. The world was going on around him. You know, I'm sure he was feeling the breeze and healing the cars and had these guys, this guy with four eyes looking at him like, hey, look at this bird. You know what I mean? I was really enamored with, look at this guy. And he was just totally calm, cool, and collected. You know, that's what Jesus wants us to do. He really literally wants us to lay down in him. Now, when you look at worry, let's look at some definitions here. It says, worry divides the mind. Worry in the Greek means merineo. The M is silent, the second one. It's a compound of two Greek words, merizo, to divide, and noose, the mind. That's why you hear scriptures when Paul says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be renewed, right, in your mind so that you're not living a life that's divided. Worry can really take you out. Not only with my parents' struggles and the things that we've had to do, God bless them. There are other things, other faculties that have made me more anxious, there wasn't any wills. I had to take care of all of the arrangements. I don't have any brothers or sisters. It was just me and Diane. What was really amazing is when I went to the dentist after my mom's celebration, which was awesome. She was a disciple. It was glorious. It was an amazing time. It was what I envisioned for her. When she moved here many years ago, she became a Christian, and she, you know, they, she studied the Bible six times, and finally became a disciple of Jesus. And it was a glorious time. And you would figure, man, I'd be excited and grateful. Man, I went to the dentist the next day that Monday. Never go to the dentist after a funeral. <laughs> but they took my first reading. They thought, we may have to call 911. That thing shot up to 200. It was that high. That was two weeks ago. I'm still here, amen? But my blood pressure went out of whack because I took on so much worry and I took on so much of the stress. And then when I come back, of course, the banking system, now I'm trying to get back into work and I don't have the kind of job that allows me to just go ahead, okay, let me take off. No, I'm on commission. I've been on commission for 20 years. I can't just say, you know what? I'm gonna take two weeks off, I'll come back. Then we will, I really will not be able to eat. And so now I've got to go back to work, sort of still mourning and still dealing with things. And then I get, a, get on a call. In fact, I'm driving to Nashville on Tuesday to figure out how much money we can lend as a bank because there's a banking crisis. 
The merger that we were supposed to go through with our company in order to get the funds to continue to fund our portfolio, the deal fell through after a year and a half. So now the bank has stopped lending commercial money and 85% of my business is balance sheet lending. I lend off the balance sheet. So we're going to Tennessee so they can tell us the rates went up sky high. They cut off the product that I'm trying to use for the most part. And I'm figuring, okay, all right, God, amen. Amen. Okay. I'm going to preach about this. <laughs> That's going to make me feel better. I'll preach about this. So then, Friday, you got to love this one. This is awesome. I'm fired up. My son's moving back from Georgia State. He's moving home. We got a house. He's standing in my mom's room. I'm like, amen, honey. No more five or six years of Georgia Atlanta rent is over. Not. Forgot to turn in the 60-day notice. Now, I'm like, hold on, guys. You didn't email it to me when we emailed to him. We slid the note under the door. It's a cool five or $6,000. I said, is there any grace? No. Can you help me? No, it's fair lending. I'm fair lending. This is not fair. I'm like, okay, God, I'll preach about this. But I'm telling you, this stuff is intense. Don't ask to preach something. <laughs> because you might get tested, amen? I'm like, oh my God. So, you know, I'm struggling and this is why. And then I come back and I've got a great client I'm working with for months, four months. His designer won't sign the documents. Million dollar loan, down the drain. Thanks, Chase, love you too. (laughs) But this is, you know, this is the impact of worry that we got to understand that anxiety splits our energy between today's priorities and tomorrow's problems. Part of our mind is on the now, the rest is on the not yet. The result is what? Half-minded living. That's the result. Here's the thing for me, and I'm sure for many of us, we're called to live completely sold out for Jesus. Now, there's a process of working through those things. Look, I'm going to get some help and talk to some people, and I've been talking about the challenges, and I've been talking about the morning aspect. Father's Day is coming up. I'm not going to want to be here. I'm going to want to go somewhere, so we're going to go to Miami. Mother's Day, we didn't come to church. We kind of listened online, and then we're going to go, you know, we went ahead and went to Chattanooga and hung out and spent some time there. Just, it's taking time to work through this, but I don't want the anxiety of the moment to cripple me. I don't want it to cripple me. And here's the thing, if you're suffering anxiety, you're waking up in the middle of the night, or you break it out in sweat, or things are happening, here's where I see it. I see worry and anxiety, what it does to me, it makes me mean, okay? It makes me cut corners. It makes me push beyond the limits. That's what anxiety does for me. What does it do for you? When we're not focused on Jesus, are we an unbeliever, or we're focused on Jesus' love and his commitment to us. 
He said, do not worry about these things, what you'll eat, what we'll drink, what we'll wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. See, when it comes to money and when it comes to these types of things, I'm triggered. I'm triggered, and the reason I'm triggered is because I grew up very poor. I grew up on public assistance. I grew up, you know, the home was cold at times. My, 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 my shoes had holes in them. I had to put cardboard in my shoes. We had to jerry-rig the basement to turn the lights on. You know, all those things trigger me, and what do I want to do? I want to go back, man, let me just think about, you know what? Let me think about going to the club. Let me go back to that lifestyle. Let me start looking at things that are inappropriate. Let me start that. What about you when you're anxious? Because the thing about anxiety, none of us suffer with anxiety here, right? <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody suffers with that. Nobody suffers with worry. Of course we do. That's the human element. But the piece of it that we have to understand is that we cannot live a half-minded life. We've got to give our whole heart to Jesus. So how do we do that? With a kingdom focus. Kingdom focus. Let's look over in Matthew chapter 6 again, verse 33. How do we do that? Kingdom focused. The Bible says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. Kingdom focus and eternal focus. Living beyond what we can see. Faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you do not see. There has to be a confidence that our kingdom focus will help us. A kingdom is the domain of a king. Jesus is the realm of his sovereignty. Why don't you open up to 1 Timothy chapter 1. I told you you're going to read a little bit today. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Let's look at the king himself. Let me turn over there. Give me a moment. But really, the passage, let me pull it up on my scripture Bible here. It just talks about the eternal king, right? It says, what does it mean? It means that Jesus himself is our king, okay? He is the one, the eternal king for all of us. And I think for us, a lot of times, when we look at Jesus himself, we look at him here from the standpoint, let me get there, here we go. So I want to read this out of this translation. Here we go. First Timothy chapter one. Let's go. The Bible says, in all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king. The unseen one who never dies, he alone is God. Amen. When you think about a king himself, when you think about Jesus himself, that doesn't give us the option to self-select. That doesn't give us the option, well, I think this is great, but I don't think this is great. And I think a lot of times what happens Jesus is calling them as a community to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom. Bring the love of our king to the world. That's what he wants us to do. He's our king. We bring him honor and glory. 
Yesterday, I got invited to a one-year-old party. It was awesome. It was Miles' party, you know, Miles Coleman. It was awesome, man. It was a great birthday to Reggie and Ann said, hey, come on by after, you know, and make sure that, you know, you come and have some pizza with us. Like, I need pizza, right? So, so we, we hung out. Man, it was awesome. So I laid down on the floor, and when there's boys below four years old, look out. It was awesome. Little Lev just jumped on me, and it was just so cool. We were wrestling, and boom, 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 and bam, it was awesome. And then Friday, we had another kingdom moment. We had a great dinner with the, with the kings. That was great. Wonderful kingdom moment. Just spending time with them, eating and encouraging them. Then on Thursday, we, we had another great moment uh, as well, just hanging out and spending time with some people. And then on Wednesday, we had division team. And then we also had time with our family group, who are all singles, 30 years less than I am, spending time enjoying the kingdom of God together, just bringing God's love. And then we turned on good times. <laughs> and we tried to help them understand our generation, you know, and that kind of thing. Good times. You're going to just go ahead and watch that. But what I'm saying is it's all about the kingdom of God. You know, I want to hold up a group of people that love the kingdom of God. I love our Thrive Core leadership group. Give them a round of applause. Amen. They're awesome. When people say, hey, we don't have a singles ministry, it's probably because you're just not coming. Because beginning of the pandemic, we've been having events with this Thrive Core Leadership Group helping us with the kingdom of God. You know, just bringing the love of the singles. You know, Janika, Sarah, Shonda, Katie, Linda, Bryce, Alex Fry, and then of course Ryan Brown was there, Zechariah, Sabrina, Jacqueline. They were all, they're all, they were there as well, just helping us to bring a sense of love for singles and the kingdom of God. So what we've decided to do with the singles, one thing is, our sister Lynn said, hey, listen, let's try to do this for kingdom focus. The singles want to meet together. Might be good to do a midweek together. Well, we talked as a core leadership group and said, you know what, we're not going to do that. We're going to do something different um, because as we talked with the communities, it was too difficult right, to do it because it was so much in our rhythm, our church rhythm, we couldn't do it, right? But here's what we did. We said, okay, we're going to do this. Every Sunday, once a month, not every Sunday, but at the beginning of the month, for each Sunday, at the beginning of the month, we're going to have a single service. The first Sunday of every month, we're going to have a single service. That way, and you know what time? Four o'clock. Why? Your community will not be interrupted. You know, you can serve in the children's ministry. You can sing and worship together. And so we can seek first the kingdom and come together as a singles group. Then we said, oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. The older singles are feeling like, man, they're not a part of things as much or what's the needs that we can meet. And we said, okay, great. So Diane got on a call last week and said, great, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a 50 and older singles meetup and greet. Not only for North River, but for the entire Atlanta church. So we're going to do that for the entire Atlanta church. So singles from all over the church. And then we said, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. So last year, wait a minute. We want the singles to feel really encouraged. So last year, we scheduled our first singles retreat with the Chattanooga church. 
And we had 200 and 225 singles that met up, not only from the Southeast, but they came in from New York and California, the Midwest, all over the country, they congregated in Chattanooga. So now we're planning our second annual singles retreat, and the goal now is 300 people to come to be a part of that. So we're trying to bring singles that are valued, that are important to God, to help them be a part of God's kingdom and feel the love. If you look at me, I'm not single. I'm 58 and old. But I love to see singles have a kingdom focus because that's where I was converted. I'm still mourning. In fact, the day after my mom's funeral, Diane and I, I was there at the single service sharing to fight to keep a kingdom focus. As part of the Thrive Ministry, it's also part of the young marrieds. We want the young marrieds to be engaged. So the Duns and the Jacobs last year, about a year and a half ago, created something called Marriage One-on-One with Diane and I. And we wanted to have all of them as a part of, hey, we're gonna, we want the young marriage to feel like their needs can be met. And so we had amazing couples share, like the Kandinsky's, the Hickman's, the Broyles, and all of these folks. And we said, once a month, we want you guys to hear from some people that can help your marriages go great in the kingdom of God. Well, it started out great. The Jacobs were traveling. They were kind of all over the country, and they still were engaged in the process. Well, it started great, but we had to suspend it because people weren't showing up. So I kind of want us to understand a kingdom focus at some level takes sacrifice. It takes Luke 9 type stuff. Denying yourself, taking up your cross daily. Somebody may or may not have, may not like this service, sermon. Somebody's going to say something about it. I'm going to put myself out there to share the gospel with you so that you can seek first the kingdom of God. I think that's so important that We don't need to identify, and Jeff said something really profound last week that I really appreciate. He said, there's not a 50 and older ministry. We know there are needs that need to be met. We're not dismissing that. And there's not a Yo Pro ministry. We know there are needs that need to be met. We're not dismissing that. But in the first century, they were all there. They were devoted to the fellowship. That is a core foundational truth of someone who seeks the kingdom. It is being devoted to the word, is being devoted to one another, and is being devoted to Jesus. Jesus motivates us. Speakers come and go. Speakers will die. One thing about what's happened to me in the last few months, I'm more in touch with my mortality now. You know, the, the spot helps me a little bit up there, but I'm more in touch overall. One day I'm gonna be gone. We gotta keep this thing going. And the only way we keep it going is being committed to Jesus. Amen? Amen. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The next thing it talks about, the second part of that, is a Greek word called dikosune. I apologize if I pronounce it wrong. 
It's intrinsically associated with the concept of justice. From the Greek word, the chaos, meaning equity of character and action, where the stress on equity, impartiality, fairness, and action implies the concept of justice. Associated with the noun, the castus, meaning a judge, arbitrator, or umpire. From the Greek word, the chaos, meaning equity of character. So there's two aspects of seeking first kingdom of God and his righteousness. One is the word piety, okay, character, relation with God. The other is action, justice. Justice. Now, why do I bring up the word justice? The word justice in our society has become highly controversial. We associate justice oftentimes with some sort of social engagement. Well, as disciples, we have a level of social engagement. We're here to bring help and the love of Jesus to the world. Hope Worldwide, the Power of Peace Project. Those types of things are what we use. It's not just around culture and race. And it's certainly not around politics. We're here just simply to make things right as disciples of Jesus. We want to bring people in a right relationship with God. That's what justice is all about. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not just character things, but also justice. What are we going to do to impact the world in a positive, more spiritual way? Justice. Justice. And so I want to encourage us as brothers and sisters that as I see myself in this sermon today, the worry, the anxiety, I want to encourage us to shift our focus to a kingdom focus. To be men and women that every time we go to a situation, we know that we are the good that God brings in every situation, whether it's work, whether it's athletics, whether it's school, we are what people need. We can bring justice to a situation. We bring the rightness that the world needs one heart at a time. So please, Don't associate justice with the political environment. Don't associate justice with a group. Associate justice with Jesus and the kingdom of God. That's That's how we need to think about that word, and we don't need to be afraid of the word. Jesus said it three times from Matthew 5, 1 to Matthew 5, 1 through 20. He said it 1 through 20, Matthew 5. He said it three times. He specifically said, when he says hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's not talking about moral character. He's talking about not only moral character, but how we can impact the world. What difference can we bring to the world? I want to look at one other passage here. Before I do that, we have an amazing culture and humility group that also tries to impact things from a cultural level. Um, We also are doing a talk up in the lighthouse afterwards, for those with New to North River, I didn't bring the book up, Crossing the Line, Kingdom, Race, and Kingdom. 
crossing the line is a, is a discussion we're going to have uh, here uh, afterwards for New to North River. If you were there, we sent you something on, online to do that. And it's all about, the Culture Humility Group is all about bringing recognition. It's all about helping people feel like they can be seen. It's all about helping people know that Jesus loves them. It was amazing to hear our brother Ethan share last week that he's really proud of his heritage because of disciples in the kingdom of God. Disciples who don't look like him. Loved him and brought kingdom to his life to help him with that. Let's look over in Revelation chapter 7. As we close, I want to share this. I'm negative 223. Michelle, I'm almost done. I promise. (laughs) After this, I saw a crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hand and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. They sang, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you for the opportunity to share and to God be the glory. Amen.